Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Post Ride Cafe. I'm Sam. This is Aaron. And welcome to episode 24. How are you doing? Not bad. Can Not I guess? Bad. Can I guess? Are I you, mean... Are you tired? I wouldn't say tired. It's just... Eh, it was like a whatever ride today. And, yeah. Eh, I don't know. Dude, I was beat yesterday. I, oh, I took today uh, yesterday off. for sure. Yeah. No, going well, man. Well, real quick, let's do a little recap of what we're going to talk about today. So, on this episode, we have continuation of team breakdowns. This week, we have Movistar and UAE Team Emirates. So, starting to get into the meat and potatoes of the, the big world tour teams. And we also have a race alert. The Slovenian National Championships were today. We're going to cover that a little bit. And then a couple news stories. We have Sunweb appears to be imploding. And an update on Nikki Terpstra, and it looks like Lachlan Morton decided to actually complete an Everesting and, and actually do it this time. So, all that and more on this week's episode. First, how can people get a hold of us, man? Yeah, they can reach us at Post Ride Cafe on Instagram and Post Ride Cafe on Twitter. And we're looking for part two of uh, the Moab ride. It's going to be up. That sounds good. Also, I've uh, created my own little Instagram. You can find me at PRC underscore Sam on Instagram and on Reddit. So I've been kind of being more involved on the Reddit Peloton group. I like their style, you know? They kind of have the same mentality as us, it seems like. A lot of shit talking and a lot of good insight there. Getting some upvotes? I got a few upvotes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not the coolest cat. I am uh, pretty low, pretty low on the totem pole down there. I don't think anyone even knows I exist, which is, sounds about right. Under the radar, dude. Yes. So yeah, anyway, looking forward to being involved there more. And uh, so maybe we can uh, say hello. Uh, as far as, that's what's, let's see, what is next? Ah, yes. The Strava Stats of the Week. Stats. Yeah, this week, eh, kind of a low week for me. I did 74 miles and 1,400 feet. I've been real disappointed in that mileage on the, or the climbing feet for sure. Yeah, it's been a little rough. I tried to, you know, not on purpose, but exactly double everything of you. Yeah. Uh, 150 miles and 2,900 feet of climbing. Pretty dang close. Just doubled up. But yeah, those ugly looking climbing feet. I know. It's really embarrassing. That's like one of my favorite things, and I just haven't been doing it. So Same. I'm going to have to get that a kick in the teeth. These are group rides. It's a ch challenge because our climbing would always be on the weekends, and now I'm trying to do more group rides because they've been really fun, and we'll get to that in our ride of the week. But it does come with the, the caveat of taking away from my climbing time. It's a price. Yeah, I might... I might be going out to Somo tomorrow. Uh, anyway, right of the week for me, uh, we did the West Valley Cycles Group out in like Goodyear, like Goodyear area. area. And so I've always heard good things. They kind of do a longer ride. So most group rides are like that 25 to 30, 40 miles kind of area where they're getting, you know, about two hour rides or something. And that's been, that's pretty common. But this group ride is like 60 to 65 miles. Yeah. And uh, if you wanted, you can go a little bit early with some other people and do some other mileage. You know, you see people getting 80, 90 out there. So pretty big group, but yeah, they do a longer ride. And, you know, I was always kind of apprehensive, but I was like, I got to get this done and I got to just step it up. And so I went out there with you and I had a pretty good damn time. It was cool. Yeah, it's a fun group. Like, I mean, you noticed right away and I feel like the last, especially the last time that I rode with them, everyone's just super friendly. Like it's well organized. Like, yeah good chats like and then we saw some people that we see on other group rides because i yeah. think they're kind of known for pulling some people around the valley because there's definitely some strong people in there as well so it's yeah it's a good ride well it's also on saturday and a lot of other group rides are on sunday so i think it's a chance for 
you get that little inter that cross mixing where yeah, most people are like, no, I like well. to do this Sunday ride, but you always have the option of that longer Saturday, and then you can meet. You know, you kind of just catch up with people you haven't seen in a while. Yeah. But. Speaking of might talking that climbing feet might rotate it back then just make this the typical ride on Sunday back to Somo Sundays. For a little bit, maybe. I mean, I still enjoy the Shade Tree ride, but, you know, kind of mix them all up and kind of intertwine them all together. Yeah, I just got to get the climbing on. I know. Well, like I said, I think I might do a little, um, I might do like San Juan or something and just do laps, which isn't a ton of climbing, but it's something. So I need to work on my FTP, I think. After after the, the West Valley ride, they have some sections where they're hitting it pretty hard. And overall, I was in the B group and I'm still working my way up to A. And there was a couple spots where I started to kind of fall back. And uh, just slight uphills. It's those slight uphills that really get me. And so I really just reminded myself that I need to work on that power. And, and so if I do San Juan, it has that 2 to 3% average gradient, which is exactly where I need my power right now. And so I think it would be good to do, I'm going to bring a, a cooler and just do laps for a couple hours, I think. That's my plan. We'll see how windy it is or whatever. But Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so this ride was, it's like you said, it's pretty well organized. It's a lot of people. I mean, it's like you know, 40 to 50 people or something and, and between the two groups. And yeah, it's all around Goodyear and Australia Mountain and Verado and all these areas that are over there. And you don't really think of much, but they've been doing a lot of growth out there. So there's a lot of neighborhoods and there's a lot of wide roads. Uh, unfortunately, there's not bike lanes everywhere. And so you do ride a good portion of it in the road. But, you know, it's at 6 a.m. So there's just not that much traffic. But um, yeah, it is a pretty interesting ride. And you even have a couple steep climbs in the middle of it. So... Uh, I mean, one. I don't know if they're steep climbs. Well, I that wish, one section hits like eleven percent on the backside of Westar. It hits like eleven, twelve. Does it? Yeah. Oh, I was like, it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. I don't think so. It does. I looked down at my Garmin. I mean, what you know? It, that's what it told me. Maybe I'm going too fast because I'm still in the big ring going over that. Well, you've done some stuff in the big ring that's steeper, but yeah. nonetheless, like it has a little bit of everything, and it's mostly flat. Obviously, it's still only you know, 12, 1300 feet or whatever it is. So, or less, cause I only got 14 for the week, but, um, it's just a different group. Right. And that's what I've been kind of looking forward to of these different group rides is meeting different people. And so I have to admit, I, I, I said I would, I'm going to, I'm going to apologize to time trial or, uh, yeah, TT guys, all these triathletes. There was a couple on this group ride that were actually pretty damn cool. So shout out to those two. Um, I may not remember their name, like Tim and Jennifer, <laughs> I think. But yeah, they were, they were pretty cool. Tim pulled really hard at the end of that ride, and we were going almost 30 yeah, for, <laughs> for the last part, and I barely hang on, and I was like at almost 180, you know, my heart rate just barely made it, but I made it, and so that was pretty cool. But yeah, it was it was a neat little ride. I like the distance. I was kind of thinking I want to be, I'm getting more comfortable in those 65, 60 plus, you know, century, you know, metric century rides where I'm not, now that I've been back on the bike for a while, I don't have the seat pains and the saddle and all that stuff and i got my saddle fixed this last couple of weeks i've been fine-tuning that so i'm starting to actually get comfortable on my bike on long distances again so it was it's pretty cool yeah yes yeah, same for me you know right of the week uh i'll just uh to add to that uh i started in the a group and then uh basically at the they have two water uh refill spots and just before that, it seems that I usually get blown out. There's like a kind of a turn, a descent, and then there's one more climb. And usually on that descent, I'm I'm out of the group. Um, it's nice that they're there long enough so I can catch back up, or and then the B group will come. But one interesting thing is one of the guys we were talking to was saying 
where I usually go the opposite and I start start in the A group, fade back to the B group. And he was saying, you know, start in the B group, work your way up, build that, that same day, not over time, but that same day, um, kind of get warmed up and then move into the A group uh, for the second half, which I hadn't really thought about. So you're not kind of burning yourself out real early. And this one, you could actually do it. That's, I think, a little different than some group rides because they stop for so long in that area. There's, there's always a A, B overlap. Um, so I might try that the next time that I do it and start on B yeah. and move to A. Yeah, I like that. Like, even with the Shade Tree ride, there's an opportunity for the B group. There's usually a section where we'll cross paths with the A group on Lafayette or the, the, on the way back from Lafayette if we're a little bit ahead of the A group because they do a separate section and then meet back up on Lafayette, they'll, they'll pass by and you can have a chance to jump on and yep. do the last, you know, almost half of the ride with the A group. So I, I'm actually thinking I might even try that because for me, the Shade Tree group, the A group is tough for me because that first part of it is like rolly and not like steep or anything, but it says two or 3% gradients and they're hitting it at a level that I, it just blows my heart right out. Well, that and so once they hit it. the sanctuary climb, that one's a legit... 12% or so like that and it's a little bit longer and it's it takes a lot out of you if if you're if you're already struggling just to keep up before that yeah so that 12% is legit but the west tar backside feel, is 12% feel like 12%, is 12%. Not legit. I don't think it's as long it's not a, it's not 12% Maybe it's just the entire 12 time just for a second it's at the very top it's one of those climbs that just slowly increases in elevation until you crest so most of it is in like the five, six, seven percent, but at the very top, it does crest that amount. All so right. it's a little bit different, but I just wanted to. Yeah, I'll say too, just as another kind of training tactic or something that you can use if, for, I guess, kind of the, the situation that, that I was in, I was like, okay, I'm not in the A group anymore on here, but I could just do longer poles in the B group so that that way you kind of get that extra amount in your legs and you're putting out extra power than than you would if you were just sitting in the pack so yeah. it's just another way to kind of work yourself back up into a group shape or to get there at some point so there's different ways even if if you can't hang on to the group the whole time yeah nonetheless the whole point is if you've never been to the west valley cycling group and you can handle a nice b tempo you know there is a c group as well oh okay there's this i didn't know that yep yeah so yeah c group very nice folks, and it's definitely welcoming. Uh, obviously, it is longer. I don't know if the C group does the full ride, but um, it's, a, it's a good time. So I'd definitely check them out. They have a Facebook group, I guess. I don't have Facebook, so I wouldn't know. They have a website, too. Yeah, it just says, go to our Facebook <laughs> yeah. page. Uh, no, the website has some cool information. But anyway, it was, it was really cool. I, I want to go back. So we will. All right, sounds I good. might even drive next time. We'll just got to get that bike rack someday. <laughs> Dude, one day, that bike rack will ship. It's been like... A month and a half, three, two months. It's tough right now, man. At least. All right, so we want to move on to some coverage. There was a race, the Slovenia National Championships, which was, might as well just called it Roglic versus Pogacar. Dude, I just pulled a U, man. I know, I was I, waiting for you know, it. I really messed this segment up. I was going to have you do it. But anyway, nonetheless, Roglic versus Pogacar. And that, spoiler alert, that's basically what happened. And it, it's a, it was a pretty short course. I think it was only 140K. And it had a little loop at the beginning that had basically flat for all intents and purposes. And then the last five or six K was a climb. Yeah. And so when it got to the climb, the race broke apart, obviously. And there was like five or six people left. And then Pogachar and Roglic broke off. And then the feed was super crap. And I tried finding it later on on YouTube. And it's all the same video. So 
Couldn't really see what happens, and then like Roglic comes in and wins. So I don't, no one really knows, but the takeaway, you know, is that these two are going to push themselves throughout the next four or five years, I think, which is pretty cool. I mean, they're competitors, but they also seem to work together, which we've seen in the Vuelta last year. So these two are going to be really good for each other, I think. Yeah, I'll say, too, just on that, I think uh, Pojikar was just about 10 seconds back. So you didn't crush him on there. So they're both very competitive. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, Mahorik was third with Madej mm -hmm. yeah. 30-ish seconds back too. So, I mean, a little obviously more there's a little bit of a gap there. Yeah. But everybody's coming in, it looks like, in good form on these things. And, and they're going, the people you expect to be up there are up there. So they're coming in to be competitive in, in the upcoming races. Yeah. You know, it's exciting. We have racing. This is a lot earlier than the season starts in like four or five weeks, but we'll take any cycling, even if it's super... I was watching this like stuttery coverage. I'm like, I don't care. That's how it used to be when we were having to like, you know, pirate stream everything before yeah. like Tiz got really good or... Yeah. We, we do pay for... Well, one of us pays for NBC Sports Gold. So it's true. We, well, it's, how, it's how America works. <laughs> one person pays for Netflix. There's like 80 people on it. It's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, same thing. Uh, yeah, so that's that's exciting. Just looking forward to more races. Uh, everyone's kind of just forms all over the place, and you know people are out there training. And speaking of training, there was a, a Nikki Terpstra had a crash this week. Unfortunately, pretty bad. You know he had a collapsed lung, broken collarbone, some head trauma. I think he was unconscious for a few, and it was pretty quickly put out that it wasn't life threatening, and he was in the hospital and and all that. But there was an update today where he got out of the hospital, and they're expecting about three months recovery. So. Basically, he was motor pacing behind a moped or something and somehow, I don't know the whole story, but crashed and hit his chest on like a rock or something and like it was pretty rough. So really unfortunate, like Nicky Terpstra is one of my like B tier like riders I like a lot. I mean, when he was on Quick Step, he was always a really hard worker and got a few victories here and there. So now that he's been on Direct Energy, he's kind of had bad luck and it's just a continuation of that. So unfortunate for him hopefully he can make it back in time i mean luckily for him the classics are still a little bit away besides the first couple but after the tour de france is when we expect the main ones during the giro and stuff so you know maybe he might be able to make them you know i don't know if anyone's expecting anything out of him but just being able to participate would be pretty good for where he's at right now yeah i mean sagan's not participating so <laughs> it's like an open all, uh, all zero for him well i think uh it's just michael matthews time to win some then he'll just always be compared to how close he was to Sagan the whole time. Oh, man. I can't wait. <laughs> well, good luck to him. Hopefully he recovers pretty well. We, uh, we really like him. Speaking of uh, Michael Matthews' team, yeah, we got uh, Sunweb. What's going on with their potential implosion here of losing riders? Well, yeah, they gave the green light to Uman and Kelderman to go ahead and leave. They've made it very clear that they don't really want to re-sign them, it seems. Or at the pricing that they want. And so they said, yeah, you guys are free to go. Yeah, and Uman's, Uman's gone. So Yeah, not officially, but pretty dang close, right? Yeah. Uh, he's uh, confirmed to go to Yumbo Visma to hook back up with his buddy Dumoulin. So Kelderman, on the other hand, I don't really know where he might be headed off to. Uh, yeah, I looked around, hadn't seen really any word on it, and I forgot that I guess Uman was injured last year, so maybe they're just don't have the faith in him coming back, but he was going to be the strongest climber on their team. I mean, he had so. the same surgery that Aru had, and he's look how good he is. It was a hard thing? Mm -hmm. He had that iliac artery oh. thing. 
I thought he had some injury for some reason, like a leg injury or something. Mm -hmm. I know he had that. He, and maybe he did, but I did read he had that surgery. Same, oh. He had the same surgery as Aru, so. Uh, no, I mean, Uman's a lot younger, but Kelderman, I've never really had high hopes for Kelderman. I've never been a big fan. I wasn't against him by any means, but I never really got any like warm and fuzzies about him either. Yeah, I mean, I feel like he would get leadership and then just nothing would really happen. Just maybe a, a top 10, top 15 kind of guy. Yeah, it's one of those guys where it's tough because they're like on the cusp of like a victory and like you get excited, but they still I mean, have that little bit extra. Yeah. I mean, we're always looking for a, a cool story of someone new or someone breaking into it or, you know, it's kind of tiresome to watch like the Ineo show or the, the two or three guys that are going to have a chance to win. You know, it'd be nicer to have five or six, but... We keep hoping, and we'll we'll never get there. But um, yeah, so somewhat basically, it was like it seemed like they were just getting rid of their Grand Tour like side, you know, going for GC. But then they're heavily linked to picking up Roman Bardet. Yeah, and I don't get. I mean, maybe there's in part clearing money and clearing space, but he's going to need some support. I don't know yeah. who they're planning on bringing, or they're not having much left on the team to help him out, and. He can't do that much on his own. So, no. mm -mm. But yeah. So Uman leaving obviously that's a big hole for Mountain Domestiques, and it seems really good for Yumbo Visma, but it's actually not all it's cracked up to be because Lawrence Deplus is confirmed to go to Ineos for some cash, and yeah, I would say that's a downgrade. You think Uman's a downgrade to Deplus? Yeah, I I don't agree. If if Uman's coming back in his normal shape, I I think he's he's better. I guess it depends on if Uman will take uh, ketones, but Lawrence Deplus had a pretty good season domesticing last year. Yeah, I I just Uman has looked really strong, but that was I guess you know kind of a year ago is now as well. So yeah, I'm not down on Uman. I think he's great. I mean, he had a good time trial. Like he's a he's a very up and coming writer that has a lot of potential. So I, it's not necessarily disrespect to Uman. I just think Lawrence Deplus is already knows the team. He worked really great, and so I think it's just. Not good news for them, but... Well, it was like, hopefully he knows his place, because it's going to be, you know, two or three back on a mountain train. I mean, uh, I guess, like you said, you're going for the money, but yeah. he's going to have absolutely no potential for leadership or anything on Ineos. And from the way I read it, I think it's just the money, you know? You yeah. can't blame a guy for Which is trying fine. to feed his like, family. Yeah, I mean, if he's like, hey, this is, this is what slot I'm going to be in, but it just seems always guys are like, well, you know, like... I'll help the team out, but hopefully there's some opportunities and this yeah. and that. But if no. he knows right away, I'm just helping the team out. Cool. Yeah. Perfect. Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know the whole story, but yeah, it seemed like it was mostly money related. But who knows? We just, Time will tell the tale. Uh, so we have racing coming up. I'm not sure if you knew about this. I've heard. I've heard a little bit racing. about racing. So we've been seeing a lot of people, you know, we talked about the Eversting stuff and we have another story here with Lachlan Morton. But basically it's just, we're starting to see Riders go out and do some stuff trying to train in a unique way because it's a unique situation. And so Lachlan Morton had went out and thought he had broke the Eversting record, but turns out he had missed it by a couple hundred meters. And so he just went back out the next week and did it anyway. Same, <laughs> Yeah, same road, same everything. Yeah. And he ended up shaving about 10 minutes off, which is that's a lot at well, this point it, when you're starting to get high-end pros. It was faster than his shorter effort too, Yeah, which was kind of crazy. So it's like... I think he was like 7.32 when, when it was three or 400 meters less. Yeah. And he's at 7.29 and change yeah. with the full thing. We had all that growth in the last week. <laughs> yeah. So. 
yeah, so that was pretty cool. And then another one I saw was, uh, just want to shotgun through these because we got some exciting team breakdowns. But Philippe Gilbert, uh, I would use the word smashed in this case, but this this route on, I forget which, is it Liege, Bastion or Liege that this is located? It's a La Radeau, and it is like a pretty steep, short climb. Yeah. And he took 17 seconds off the lead from Roman Bardet. So 17 seconds on something that hyper-competitive is a pretty well, good Well, the Strava boost. leaderboard was stacked on there, too. I feel yeah. like like really good climbers. Yeah. And so they were filming a documentary, which I'm super stoked about. So I get to watch when that comes out. It's like him and his brother I saw out there. Yeah. So they're, they're making some sort of documentary about Philippe Gilbert's career, I guess. So looking forward to that. But yeah, he decided to just give it a go and... It just shows, like, I think he's 39 or something. He's gotten whatever Valverde's on, Gilbert's taken it. So <laughs> yeah. he's looking really good for the start of the Classic. So I think he's just super hyped for Milan-San Remo. So I think I'm excited for that race now. It's going gonna, it's so, gonna to be cool. Like, especially he's. we were talking last week, we move into a new team. There's going to be extra motivation there, and mm-hmm. I think that team's going to be awesome. Yeah, well, we love that team, and it can be like Nairo Quintana or something, where he just comes out of this new team and just wins out of the gates. And if he wins San Remo right out of the gate, I think he would be. I think he would just retire right after that race. I mean, he should really. That'd be dope. So he doesn't win anything else. <laughs> no, no. I mean, that would be awesome if he won. I mean, at this point, who do you even want to win? Because Sagan's not doing anything. So he's he's doing. I think feel like he's just doing all the Italian races. He's just like I'm going to stay in Italy. Makes sense to me. Uh, anyway, so yeah, let's get right into our team episodes now. Uh, starting off with Movistar. Uh, real quick, let's blast their 2019 stats. They were ranked 7th overall, down 2 spots from 2018. And they had 21 victories, 7 in the World Tour. And, you know, 1 being a GC. Carapaz won the Giro d'Italia, so that was pretty, pretty cool race. Uh, 2018 comparison, they had 25 victories and 12 in the World Tour. 3 of them GC stages. So... A little bit down, but not too bad, um, as we've talked about. Their identity, you know, they've always been a GC stages team. And so I think they're going to continue on that path. But um, as we'll get to here in in just a second, you know, tell us about their key signings. Yeah, so their key signings are Enric Moss and Dario Cataldo. And their key losses. I don't think I've seen a team gutted like this in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Really. Unless they folded. Yeah. Carapaz, Landa, Quintana... Uh, Benati, uh, Benacor, and Amador. Yeah. So you lost your your main GC guys, pretty much all of them except Valverde, and you lost some high-end domestiques as well. Yeah. So we're left basically with Valverde, who is 40, Soler, and uh, Enric Moss as your kind of team leaders. Yeah. What uh, What are your thoughts? How do you How do you feel about like Movistar? I've always liked them. Uh, I mean, it's always fun to poke fun at their terrible tactics. Yeah. But I've always liked them as a team. I always liked their jerseys. Maybe that's what it was. You know, I, like, it was always easy to see the big green M. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like, I mean, for as much shit we talked about, like, Nairo, just napping Nairo and stuff like that, It's it was cool. Like, he was kind of the... Not the first, but in a long time, like a Colombian and kind of brought the wave, I feel like, or at least this new generation of South American yeah. riders. He initiated that wave and he was the front leader kind of setting this. He basically made it easy for everyone behind him to, to get into the sport. So I thought it was cool. and This generation, for sure. Just a little 
drop. You know, when I was down in South America, I saw like Movistar stuff like that, and yeah. then I just thought of, about it. I was like, oh, like I've never even seen this company, and you see advertisements and like when Carapaz was when he wasn't when he won the Giro. I think he was like top in the top like a couple years back when he was in the top five like it was right on the front of the newspaper and stuff yeah. like it was actually a big deal like when the country that they're from like that was a big deal so yeah it was cool um but so things like that i just always thought they were kind of a cool team yeah i've always liked them as well i never really disliked them you know i was always hoping they would be able to have the opportunity to really challenge team sky back when katana was you know in his early prime and um Prime 1.0, I guess we can call it. So it was always exciting. They always had a really strong team. And they always, what I liked about them is they always seemed to crush the team classification. Yeah. And I know most people don't really care about that, but I always thought that was cool. Like they always had. I thought it was lame. <laughs> a really strong team. They just never had that right leader to really yeah. work for. And I think that was always the problem. For whatever reason, they in watching the Netflix documentary or whatever, they never seemed to buy into Quintana. And so it's really unfortunate. I don't know if that's because of that mixed, you know, leadership with Valverde and all. You know, they just didn't have a clear directive. And the, the documentary made it very clear. But they always had one of the best teams. And it was just unfortunate they never could get there. I feel like that that's the problem is that it came down to bad management and yeah. bad tactics. And maybe the guys didn't get along, like you were saying, like we saw in the documentary. But it, that's why that they were up there in the team's classification because you have – you know, you would have three guys in the top ten, and just for no reason, none of them are going to win. And yeah. they're just kind of like, nobody's helping each other in the right way. Nobody's doing the full sacrifice for the other guy and dropping out of the top ten completely. It's There's no point in having several guys up there to win, to not even podium. or Yeah. Yeah, so it was always very weird, but yeah, that's... I don't know. I, I don't dislike the team. I still like them. But yeah, it's just uh, the Netflix thing really just really honed in on how bad their direction is from the top. Yeah. That's definitely an unfortunate incident, especially for all the writers. So they have this strong team and they just have poor leadership, really. Very passionate director sportifs, but not very good at directing and having a plan and executing. So. Yeah. So what do you think is going on with this like major change in the offseason of losing all these guys and what do you think their plan is? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, for people that aren't as well-known on this, they have, most of these writers had one agent, mm. right? And the agent, it seems to be the agent and the owner of this team had some sort of falling out, and so he just wanted to get revenge and just pull all of his writers. They broke contracts. They did everything they could to get all these writers off of his team. And so that's one asset. That's yeah. one facet of this. But as far as the team itself, I mean, how do they recover and go move forward? You know, that's interesting. They have a very strong Spanish identity. Yeah. They're based in Spain, and so they want to maintain that. That's been their big thing for 40 years or however long they've been a team. And so, you know, they brought Enrique Mas, who's, you know, he's young. He's 25. He's one of the best young Spanish potential GC riders. So it's no-brainer they brought them in. You know, he brought them in from Quick Step, which they're not a team designed for his you know, aspirations, so it made sense. So we'll see how they go behind him. They still have Mark Solaire, who I really like, and so we'll see how they develop. You know, the rest of their team, they're just, luckily for them, it's been such a weird season that no one's expecting much from, no one knows what to expect, so it's a great opportunity to 
kind of refocus and then pick up some riders in the offseason and really build up a team. It gives these guys a chance to kind of less pressure to, to perform in this shortened season. So Solaire and Moss can have a little bit more experience and they can grab some stuff. That's how I think they should move ahead. But yeah, I, I don't know what's going on. That, that's If I was them, that's how I would react. Yeah, I feel like they need to focus on Moss. I think, I feel like Solit from the documentary and Solaire wants to be the team, le- like the main team leader. Yeah. I think Moss is more prepared for it. And so hopefully they can kind of get management in order a little bit and keep these guys in line and be like, hey, Moss is the clear leader. And I th- he, he looked good in the last few seasons. I know the, I forget which Grand Tour it was, but it was supposed to be the one for him. But he had, I think he had some illness and you could clearly see him dropping off. But I, well, I think I, that was a tour last year. Was it? Yeah. But because think, they had Philippe and it was always supposed to be Moss. Yeah. And then Moss kind of just got sick halfway through, and yeah. then they were just like, all right, fine, we'll just stick with Philippe, who was on crazy form anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about Enrique Moss. I know, what was it, Constador said that he was like the next great Spanish cyclist, you know? I think he podiumed the Vuelta that year that... Um... It's on the show notes, dude. There you go. He got second place in 2018 at the Vuelta. I was just going off memory, and we got it right here. Pretty good, dude. I've been trying to increase the quality of our show notes. I had to fire the last show notes, guys. <laughs> yeah. so, um, That's a good call. Yeah. He can't even read his own show notes. <laughs> no, he can't. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he, he, he does obviously have that potential, but I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know much about Moss, I guess. I just don't get that same vibe. But well, I, I think the thing with him and Soler is they're both just unknowns. Yeah. Because they've never went all the way through on a Grand Tour with full leadership. Correct. Soler obviously is a great domestique, but does that mean he could win, right? I don't know. But he definitely has some good climbing form. Um, and Enrique Moss can also climb. So, yeah, they're both good pickups. You know, obviously they've had Soler and they've been, they kept him on the team and that's good. But, I don't know. I would reward Soler for being loyal over Moss personally. But I guess this is the year they get to each get their own and see how they do. Yeah. And I mean, I guess for the third, Valverde, what do you think he's going to be doing? It's at his age, and he's definitely looked a little bit on the decline yeah. with, with like, Alaphilippe taking uh, some of those, like, liege bosch down liege type classics. Uh, yeah, that were almost a shoe-in for Valverde to win. That was him. Yeah. He's just like, oh, I'm going to wait for the last of this climb. You know, I know exactly what's going on. Yeah. And I'm always going to be out sprinting everybody. And he's finally starting to lose some of those. Yeah, he definitely has lost that very top end. I mean, you know, once Rodriguez retired, he didn't have much competition. So it was pretty much the Valverde show. And so Alaphilippe has definitely taken that on. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Valverde, I expect him just to kind of do what he does. He's going to win a couple races or do whatever. I mean, even though he's 40, he is obviously just in very good shape. And he just enjoys riding his bike. And I think he'll... His results will continue to decline just because of his age, but he's very motivated for the next year or two, and I think hopefully he retires here in the next year or two. But, you know, his big target is the Olympics. That's pretty much his entire season. He's talking about leaving the tour early to go to, you know, and I I don't know. I think the Olympics are getting pushed back and everything else. Yeah, I was like, I don't even know the story with the Olympics right now. So I don't even know if they're happening, but I think he's also pretty motivated for the World Championships. Those are also pretty climb-heavy, aren't they? I think they're a little more so than last year. And we'll see how he does in the winter. And, and, you know, he does all right in the cold. He doesn't love it, but I think he's better than most. Yeah, I don't know. I think Valverde will have a pretty standard, just a little bit lower than his standard season. Yeah, so as a team, feel like they're 
they're either in the rebuilding phase or just just on the way down. Because yeah. I feel sometimes like teams try to hold on to it a little too long and don't start rebuilding and just are crappier for the next few seasons. Yeah, I expect that from them. I think with Valverde being their premier rider for the last decade, like they hadn't really had to think about it, and they had Quintana and everything. So with this implosion, it kind of just caught them by surprise. Yeah, I don't think and they so expected everyone to leave. Correct. So they're just not ready, you know? And so it's going to be a couple seasons before they develop enough domestic help and other talent to help these two guys. So I don't expect much from them in the next season or two. Yeah, I hope there's some Spanish riders coming up. It seemed like the last probably at least five plus years that's just been on the decline of just mm -hmm. Spanish racing. And I know Contador has been big and trying to build up some teams and build up that talent again because yeah. it was always so good. I think it's it's just been on on the downturn as well. Yeah, no, it's an um, interesting time. You know, these powerhouses of cycling, you know, Spain being one of them, just doesn't seem to be doing much. Like French, on the other hand, we talked about the other week when we talked about uh, Groupama and everything, they, they they have really good development. So the Spanish development seems to be kind of on the fritz. You know, Contador is obviously stepping in and has his own development team, and so we'll see how that develops. But, yeah, right now they seem to be a little lacking in the Colombians is where it's at right now. I was like, there might be an Australian Spanish team. You know, it's we'll, true. We'll see. That's <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, one of the things we like to look at, speaking of rebuilding and everything, is young riders. Um, I saw two that fit the category. Uh, one of them is Johan Jacobs. He's 22, and he seems more of a classics rider. He's Swiss, and he got second in the under-23 Paris-Roubaix and seventh in the under-23 Flanders. So pretty strong engine there. Could be a replacement for Bonatti, I feel like. Yeah. They're not a classics team. It's not something they really go for. Obviously, they have to go because it's a world tour race, but... Yeah, I think he'll probably go to that or whatever, but he's really there for domestique. Domestique, team time trial, stuff like that, yeah. at least in the beginning. I, I would probably get off the team if I was him. Well, if, yeah. If you're I looking mean, for your own shots at some point. Exactly, um, but if you're just... At this point, he's 22, he's looking for a team, you know? And so to be picked up by one of the... You know, what are they, ranked seventh or something? One of the best world tour teams? Yeah, like, no. I mean, no one's you're complaining. Not, you're not turning it down. No, not at all. Uh, so their other uh, pickup here, we have Juan Diego Alba, who is also 22. He's Colombian. There you go. That's Weird. what you want. Yeah. Uh, so he was third overall in the Giro. The baby uh, Giro. Baby Giro. Well, that's a lot easier to say. I know. I started writing, like, you know, I keep changing my uh, show notes. So, like, I was writing everything out the way it is, and I started just, some of them putting their nicknames. And so, so yeah, he was third overall in that. He won stage six. And he had uh, three other top five stage finishes in that in that race. So yeah, looking really strong. That's yeah, very consistent. Yeah. yeah. So he'll be a good domestic. Hopefully he's ready to for some mountain mountain domestic and. Hopefully he's ready to just lead a team because they need it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's about it for them. Um, everyone else, they just they're in this in a spot where they didn't expect to be. So it's a weird place for Movistar. They've been a very consistent team probably one of the most consistent teams in the past decade uh, besides like a Ineos or something. If you talk to their team manager, they, they definitely are. <laughs> it's true. But yeah. Well, we get to our favorite part, better or worse than 2019. Worse. So, <laughs> <laughs> we don't even, there's no, uh, 
That's fair. No caveats. No. I mean, anything. yeah, I think we're both on the same train here. That's not doesn't take a rocket uh, scientist or a surgeon or whoever. I don't even know. Rocket surgeon, dude. Rocket surgeons, man. Uh, they all work for Tesla or whatever. They're working on those rockets. Just dragon cutting those wires, this oh. and that. Uh, rocket surgeons, dude. They're in that surgery hall. They got like someone's tapping their forehead as they cut all these wires. Well, we you know they already got the mask, so we're good to go. Everyone has a mask. Um, yeah, I, I think it's an easy worst. I'm interested to see how Moss does in Solaire, but they just don't have a strong team to really help them. So I know they're not going to go for stages, but they probably should. Yeah. But they do need to test both of those guys, so they really can't. So It makes sense just to, especially in the shorter season, just kind of for them toss out the season and be like, all right, we're going to support you and we're not going to, like you said, we're not going to go stage hunting. We're going to see how you would do so next year. Hopefully yeah. we can pick up some people. Hopefully we're, you're prepared and we're more prepared as well. Exactly. So, yeah, easy one. Well, let's close the book on them. Let's go on to UAE Team Emirates. Kind of one of our new favorites, dude. Kind of the hype train team. It really is. They are probably the most exciting team, oddly enough, this season, just based on who they picked up and where they finished last season. So real quick before we get to that, uh, 2019, they were ranked 6th. So, obviously a strong team. And they had 20... That was up nine places from 2018. So, they, they had a, a big coming out, big splash of a season. Uh, 29 victories, 11 world tour, and seven of those stages. Um, their big highlights, Pogachar was third at the Vuelta España and first in the Tour of California. To compare that to 2018, they had 12 total victories and six of them in the world tour. So, very, very poor season for them. Uh, identity, kind of the same as most of these teams when you get this high up, is GC and stage hunting. And uh, let's see, you'll, you'll take us through this uh, key signings and losses category. Yeah, so key signings, local local legend, Brandon McNulty. Uh, I think I just want to like praise him so much in this episode, and we're going to like tag him on every social media profile <laughs> that he has, just to hope that he might like, McNulty, we want to interview you. That'd be super cool. Come so on our show. Just, yeah, well, maybe we'll go on a ride together and he could just blow us out. Oh, for sure. In like 10 seconds. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, we have Big Nolte, uh, Mikael Bjerg, uh, David Formolo, uh, David De La Cruz, um, Maximilian Richese, and Joe Dombrowski. Dude, for the record, all I have is the last names on all these. So it's all up here, you. man. It's all up here. Uh, key losses, eh, Dan Martin and uh, Rory Sutherland. Yeah, I mean, Rory Sutherland is a good domestic. Anyway. And so their key riders overall are Pojakar, uh, Fabio Aru, McNulty, uh, David Formolo, Gaviria, and Kristoff. Yeah. I mean, just a, one a of team. the most stacked teams. What do you think about them? Uh, I mean, it's a newer team in general, but it's, it's hard not to be excited about them just with everything that's going on. I feel like Kristoff, like potential resurgence, you know, McNulty to see where he's going to go. Aru to see uh, if he if he can come up or kind of return a little bit. Pojakar, just see where you like. There's so much of potential seeing what is going to happen with yeah all these guys that could be on like a major upswing. Yeah, I was trying to figure out who they were before, but yeah, they were Lamprey. That's the the license that they bought. Uh, I, I miss that team. Yeah, they were cool. Well, team. I miss the jerseys. Yeah, wild. Yeah, so my thoughts are pretty much the same. I mean, it's all these different riders. They have, they've seemed to be the most that's heavily invested in young talent. Yeah. Besides, uh, um, 
Team Ineos. Like, these two teams, like, they're really, in, UAE especially, though, is really investing heavily in young talent. They picked up McNulty, Berg. You know, these guys are real young, but they've, they've had shown super high potential in... They were one and two, like, you know, kind of multiple times in the national championships for time trialing. Like yeah, the world championships. Yeah, they've also won national oh, yeah. stuff. But yeah, yeah Mikhail Berg was like three-time under-23 uh, individual time trial champion. McNulty was second, and he even won the road race in Doha, right? Yeah. Probably because he's from Arizona, and it was like, oh, it's 120? No problem. You yeah. Know? Everyone else was sweating, and he was just like, this is a normal... I, I ride in this all the time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so those two guys are really strong talent. You have Pogachar obviously, as well. And so they have this strong, young core. And I almost think of it as, like, you know, the Seahawks, when they got Russell Wilson and all these guys, like, you get this really strong college team. And, like, we'll see how long they can keep it together. Because their guys started... Once they got off their rookie contract, like, they couldn't afford all of those dudes. So I think we're going to have a similar thing here with... You know, if McNulty does well and Pogachar continues his path, like, they're not going to be able to keep all these people. There's just no way. They don't have the money. Could be a few good years, though. Yeah. No, I'm excited. For the next couple seasons, like, they're going to be a really team, real strong team to watch out for, in my opinion. So, yeah. I mean, topics-wise, you know, first thing, team of the best offseason by far. Yeah, no, I agree. Are they signed? I mean, look who they signed. All these dudes. And they're all either really strong domestiques or they're leaders on a team. Yeah. Or, like, super young talent that has high potential. Well, and then you have uh, Richese on there that was kind of the main lead-out lead out man for Gaviria. So it's like you got to reunite there. Yeah. Uh, just things like that where you're bringing these guys. Formolo is going to be an awesome domestique for them. It's, it's going to be really good. Yeah, this is going to be a crazy team to watch this season. Um, as far as the one caveat with them what we had last season, their one <laughs> unshining moment. Was was it the Tour de France? They had Gaviria and Christophe and these guys in a row. Like they all looked awful, and they all blamed it on their nutrition. They had some like new water or new drink or something, and they were all putting like Super retaining bloated, water. Yeah. Like I noticed it, dude. Like Christophe looked pretty bloated. I, I was like, dude, that guy looks big. And he, I mean, he's a big classic sprinter, but he didn't. He's never looked that big. Yeah, I forgot how many kilos that he said he like extra he was holding. Seven or eight or something. It, it was, was ridiculous. Like yeah. especially when people lose so much weight in that race and he's yeah. just holding like tons of extra weight. So based on the how the rest of their season went, I'm sure they've fixed their nutrition problem because Pogachar, man, unleashed that guy. That was awesome. That was a cool Velta. Like just him coming out like in those like rainy, like tough stages and yeah. And I think, you know, I think Primos was kind of rooting him on and yeah. and helping him, you know, where 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 he could and they were working together. But you just want to see that, that guy win. Yeah, I mean, he started kind of, he came out with a bang anyway. Like he won the Tour of California, which was, you know, it's still a world tour race. It's pretty important here in America. Well, but I think it's defunct now. It is, the now but, defunct race, but... That's a big race. I mean, it was Bernal won for a while. Yeah. Bernal won it last year. I mean, Sagan, when he used to win races, he won it. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's how you know it was good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he had a strong start, and then he got to the Vuelta as just like an unknown first world tour, like GC, like thing. And like, I think he even surprised his own management. Like he won, what, three stages or something? Two stages? Well, like, and I don't think they had great support for him either. And no. so like he's doing a lot of that on his own. Yeah, I mean, when you get to the upper echelons of Grand Tours, like, the main competitors, like, 
Primoz Roglic, like they have a strong team, and you really just need to stay with that team and not get dropped. But the risk is if you don't have anyone to help you repair a tire or take a bike. So he got lucky in the sense that, that he didn't have that. You know, problem. a little bit is kind of controlling like the pace that you want to go right Correct. then. So there's a few things that definitely a team helps. But Sure, but he's like 20-something, so he doesn't care. You know, like he doesn't need that. He's like, I'll just go on this guy's wheel. Yeah. You know, whatever. So, no, it's super exciting. I'm really excited to see him. Obviously, he was really competitive in the national championships against Roglic, so I think he's pretty fired up. Yeah. And then so they're kind of looking at their classic Sperner guys, Gaviria and Kristoff. They were kind of sharing that same leadership role for a bit and had a little bit of a weaker season. Yeah. I'm leaning towards just Kristoff for some reason on here of, of coming out with a better season. Really? Yeah. I mean, you know, not to go down to the 2020 results, but Gaviria's had a pretty good season already. Has he? Yeah, he won like three stages already. All right, well, I'm still, I'm still sticking with Kristoff. No, I mean, hey, if they got their nutrition fixed and Kristoff doesn't get bloated, I mean, he's still strong. I think he's come to the realization that he will be helping Gaviria, but there's going to be a few races where he has an opportunity, but I'm more excited for Gaviria. I really like him. You know, he's Colombian. Everyone Colombian does, does well. And now that he's back on a better team that's supporting him and he has his old lead-out guy, like, and he's already won a few anyway, like, I think he's, he's fired up to, to put his name back up there. Yeah. So I'm expecting big things from Gaviria. But really, this whole episode, we should just call it the McNulty Show, dude. <laughs> what do you think is going to be his first World Tour season? Uh, we're halfway through, but... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because it's going to be... I don't know. I think the Giro is potentially him being given leadership in that race. Uh, I don't think they've announced everything, but there was kind of an initial announcement. Well, originally he was supposed back. to do the Vuelta at the oh, beginning of the year. Oh, okay. And then now with everything going on, I don't know what his new schedule is. Hmm. Well, I, I'm feeling like he's going to get some leadership in in one of them. It's going to be just interesting just to see. I, I don't know. Uh, he had a good I've, start to his season. Yeah, I I think he's strong. I just, I don't know about that three-week. Yeah. And I, and I feel like he's still young in changing over from time trialist to grand tour rider. I think he's clearly on that path yeah. and going to do well. Sure. I just don't know if it's right. You know, it's going to be his first one. So I I think I think he'll do all right, but I don't expect him to be podium or top five. No, I think for them, like top 10 will be a good placing for him. I mean, he's 21. So there's not a lot of pressure on him to perform. Hey, it's now, mostly now these just, guys are winning at 21. So That's true. They are. <laughs> Uh, they're really messing up my young writers to keep an eye on Paige. Like, yeah. I got to Ineos and it was just like Bernal. I'm like, well, come on. That's silly. It's going to have to be like uh, basketball when you're picking out like high schoolers and you're yeah. like, all right, we got this 19 year old that he's going to win. It's true. Uh, yeah. So I expect, I, was, I wasn't expecting much from him in his first season. I was expecting him to use it as a learning tool. I mean, you've seen that. He waited to come into the world tour specifically to stay with Rally and get more experience. And so I really like that. Um, what would I call it? Like, patience and dedication and understanding that this is a long game and he doesn't want to come out it's of a mature pace. like yeah. attitude towards it exactly so i think that's really cool to see and so i'm expecting him to do more of the same and take it as if an opportunity presents himself he'll definitely go for it but he's really saying all right i'm gonna get my feet wet this is a lot of racing this is a lot of competition i want to just make sure i'm doing it right and not get too excited and burn myself out or you know try to attack too early in a stage or do like i think he wants to really just 
focus it all in and see, all right, here's how I did, here's how I felt, here's how I'm going to improve next season, and then I think next year will be a really strong season for him. Yeah, which that burnout thing we've kind of been just talking about just amongst ourselves the last week or so, just a lot of these guys are coming in really strong, really young. They're riding year-round, basically, mm-hmm. with cyclocross, you know, mountain biking, whatever it is. They're they're competitively riding year-round, and yeah. they didn't used to do that. So I feel like a lot of these younger guys could get burned out quicker, and maybe he's just taking a little bit different approach on there, which hopefully that... That kind of is to his benefit. Yeah. I mean, unrelated, I, I'm excited for the, the Bora episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, wait, why? I was like, yeah. Uh, so yeah. yeah. I think he's burning Burnout out, mode. Yeah. But yeah, Formolo. Um, what For- do we expect from him? Former Bora. Yeah. Uh, I know they were hyped on him. A lot of people are hyped on him to be a Grand Tour guy. I don't, I don't buy it. I don't see that. I had always thought he was similar to, and I'm going to blank on his name, uh, I think it was Alex, uh, he was on BMC for a while, he was always going off and doing, basically going just stage hunting. Um, I'm trying to think, Balan? Alessandro Balan or Pataki Al- or something? Alessandro DeMarchi. DeMarchi, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, he's a great domestique. But I think that's that's his exact, like to me the, the two are the same, of just their build, how they race, so I, I think that's kind of what he's going to be, like if he... Maybe he gets up to a one-week kind of racing uh, level, but I don't think he should ever really go for Grand Tours and yeah. stick with winning stages. Because he can win stages. And yeah. He's a good domestique. I think my favorite thing about him is his pain face. Oh. His suffer face is awful. <laughs> he just looks so like, looks like he ate a lemon or something. Yeah. I don't know. It's not good. I think it's an Italian thing because Aru has the worst suffer face in the peloton. Nobody has a worse face than Aru, just in general. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of, should we expect anything from Aru? You know, he's coming back. He had that heart surgery, the iliac thing, and that he's supposed to be a lot healthier. It has better cardio, and like you know, his performance looked awful. I mean, as much as I love to talk shit about Aru, like I do feel bad that he had some actual serious health conditions that limited his capacity. So. He's obviously won Grand Tours, you know, and so... Grand Tour. That's fair enough. But can he... Is he going to... Is that surgery enough to bring him back in? I don't think so. Because I used to find it hard to believe that that had been causing it for so many years. Yeah. Because it, after that Grand Tour that he won, the Volta, I he didn't look good after that at all. Yeah, I mean, if he'd stopped putting squares on his chain ring in the front, he'd probably be fine. <laughs> But I, I just feel like it's been years since he, and he's just been kind of slowly declining. That's almost Maybe like the that Bardet surgery thing. is like completely going to turn it around, but yeah. it's just seemed like a slow decline. And I mean, his time trialing is abysmal. Like, I just don't see any of that coming together. Well, the thing that I don't like about Aru is he doesn't appear to be a team player. And I don't know if he'll ever, and I could just be wrong, and I'm willing to. See, I'm hoping to see that, but I agree. I don't think he can time trial for shit, so he's really not someone you want to put your bed horse on, you know, as far as the GC. So if he shows that he doesn't, he's too far behind, will he work for his team? And I don't know if he will. I don't think so, because I feel like the last time he did a little bit, maybe he just physically couldn't, but I don't think he did much to help Pojakar in that, in that last race. Yeah. So he always seemed to be gone quick, so... It, 
And yeah, I don't know if that's just him or if he physically couldn't, but I wouldn't bet on him. Yeah, me neither. Well, let's get to young riders. This is, you know, we said they've been investing heavily, and we're about to see why. They have what, five people in here, I found. So the first one, Andres Camilo Ardila. He won the, what, Baby Giro? He got, and he won stage four and five, and he got top five and two others. So like the previous guy in Movistar, you know, very consistent in this race. And the Baby Giro is like the under-23 Giro or something, you know? So it's a pretty important metric for these young GC yeah, guys. if you're looking for a GC guy, you want to see who's doing well in this race is a, is a big one. Yeah, and he's 20, so up-and-comer. Uh, Jasper Philipson, he was second in the GP de Forme, Brussels Cycling Classic. He got third. Uh, Bink Bank Tour, he got second in the points, and he uh, top five three stages. That's a world tour race. Tour de France, three stages, he was top ten. Tour California, same thing, three stages, he was top ten. So, very consistent in these yeah. stage races. You didn't want to say Sheldapris? I don't know. I was hoping you would take that one. <laughs> Sheldapris, he was ninth. And then Santos turned on under, he was first on stage five, and then he topped five another stage. So, you know, he's shown a lot of consistent results, and it appears, you know, he's going to be a, a strong rider. Yeah, no, I think he's a great sprinter. Like he's going to be coming up, and, and it's going to be a really good one to watch. Yeah, so it's exciting. Um, next up, we have Brandon McNulty. I'm not sure if you've heard of him. Come on our show. Yeah. And uh, so he got third in the independent uh, individual time trial. Uh, under 23 at the World Championships that we discussed. And he was first at the Giro de Sicilia. Is that like the baby, baby Giro? It's like teeny tiny Italy, right? No, but it was, I mean, it's not like under 23, guys. It's 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 a regular, it's a regular race. race. And I mean, he, he lo- I watched that one. He looked good in that. And he was kind of holding on at the very end to keep his lead, but he looked good in it. Yeah, he won a stage there and he topped five another. So yeah. Obviously, we, we've talked about Brandon a lot internally and on the show a few times. He's looking, you know, he's he's strong. And so he has an exciting career ahead of him, and he seems to want to put the work in. So that's definitely one that we're going to keep an eye on for obvious reasons. Uh, next up, we have Alessandro Covey. He's also 21. Just so many young riders. Uh, the Baby Giro, he was fourth and top five two stages. And the Ronde de Elizard, he got two stages top five. So... Another one of those domestiques, man. Like, they just, this team is just. Yeah, they know what they're doing. Stacked. So, they're going to have the next couple seasons, man. Watch out. And lastly, we have Mikhail Beard, which we've talked about. 21. I think part of the reason McNulty even came to this team is they were really close rivals, but it seems to be good friends. You know, it's a healthy rivalry. So, um, he liked the investment that UAE was making in the young riders, and he had this guy that he knows very well. So,. Easy for him to come. But yeah, Mikkel Berg, he was first in the independent time, or why do I keep saying independent? I don't know. Individual <laughs> time trial and the under 23 World Championships, and he was eighth on the road race. But yeah, very strong time trials. That's mostly his thing. And we'll see if he has interests in doing anything else. I think he wants to try the the world record for the time oh, trial. Oh, yeah. I think he had mentioned that. I a think that's years something back. he wants to do in the next two years. Uh, but I think he's mostly interested in time trials. I don't know if his interest level is in like leading stage races or just being a domestique or whatever. I mean, on a level, I kind of hope not, just because I like guys. Nobody's. They're like, well, if I'm a time trialist now, I can just go into and be a Grand Tour rider. It's just not the way it is. Yeah, and it's like just be great at this. Like that's 
There's nothing wrong with it. It's awesome. He could also just be the next Cancellara. He can have a nothing big, strong engine, that. be a great domestique in the Tour de France. Win some classics. Win a prologue, wear the yellow for a few days, and just be a domestique, and then try, do really well in the classics, which they don't seem to have a very strong classics presence. So, you know, he could definitely build that side of them up. So, yeah, I'm not sure what his whole goals are, but that would be a great fit. You know, he obviously loves time trialing, so I don't think we're going to expect that to drop off anytime soon. But I can expect to see him to be the next, you know, Cancellara or the next, like, Tony Martin or something. Where Yeah, that know, would be cool. Both time trialing experts, but two different career paths. Yeah. So, real quick, uh, we're about done here, but 2020 major results. They've had a pretty good season so far. Not all these are world tours, but the UAE Tour... Stage five, Pogatar won that. Uh, the Vuelta a San Juan, Gaviria won three stages. And the Tour of Colombia, three stages are won by Juan Sebastian Milano. And then the Volta a la Valencia, three stages won by Pogatar. And the Saudi Tour, new race we talked about, uh, Rui Costa won stage one. So, bang, 11 stages, 11 victories already this year. Yeah, and Rui Costa still, I was like, still there. He's <laughs> still been there doing for a it, while. Man. Because I feel like he was there on Lamprey. Yeah, like he he's was. He's been there for a long time. He's their, he's their grizzled vet, man. Yeah, the Valverde of UAE. World champion, too. I mean, yeah, they had a lot in common. There you go. Yeah. So we say in better or worse, just with this kind of team? Whew. Yeah, I mean, you know, we like to go back. And I think with Movistar, it was a really easy one. I think with this one, it's, it's pretty close. Um, they won 29 victories and 11 of them in the World Tour. So, you know. Personally, I'm expecting the same or better. Yeah. No I, one's expecting them to be worse. That's. For I sure. think I'm about the same. It was like, they're going to be the same and kind of use this before, but I think they're a better team overall. They yeah. have better, they definitely have better guys on there. It's a stronger team, more depth. So you would imagine it could only be better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, so they were sixth overall. I mean, I expect to see them in the top four next not maybe not next season but in the next couple seasons they're going to be a top three top four team yeah i i could see that easily top five just depending on how a couple other teams do i mean you get a lot of points for grand tour victories so yeah. we'll see we'll see i mean i just i think with the youth plus the excitement i think everyone on that team is sort of it's almost like quick step but for gc or something like the, yes. i just maybe i'm just overhyping it but i just feel like they're all kind of buying in and they're all the same age and they're just coming in together and like they're like, let's just go out here and run through some races, which they kind of they already have. So yeah, they're just flying out. Let's the take gate, some wins. So. That's all yeah. that matters. Yeah, that about uh, that about sums it up for this week. Next week we have two more teams. We have Astana Pro Team and Team Ineos. So hitting the big heavy hitters. Getting close. Yeah, that'll be a uh, that'll be a good episode. All right. See Until you next week. week. See ya.